This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Politically Homeless. I want to start this show off by just apologizing for not putting a show out last week. I, um, guys, I was wrecked. I was absolutely wrecked for about, I mean, it was what, two Sundays ago or last Sunday, whatever. It's been bad. I, um, I've never had a flu like the flu that, that I had. And I'm just now, I think yesterday I started kind of feeling like I had my brain back, <laughs> but it was like I was in a vortex for a week. It was, it was awful. Awful. I mean, my fever was like 102. I think it peaked out a little over 102, um, but it kind of stayed around that 101.5 to 102 range for several days. <clears throat> and I just like it was man. And all y'all sent me a lot of well wishes on the on the gram, and I really appreciate that. And been trying to get myself right, but today I feel like we can do this. I feel like we can do it. It's been really tough to not do a show, given that we had. I mean, when, when it was all going down. <clears throat> Excuse me. When it was all going down, uh, my sickness anyways, it was when Elon was going through the process of buying Twitter, which feels like about 800 years ago now. Uh, but but we're there, and that's that's been uh, really fun to watch. But really what we're going to do is kind of go through the greatest hits of the past week or so. We got Roe versus Wade, of course. We're going to talk about that. The Ministry of Truth, uh, Student Loan Forgiveness, which had a, a blip in the, news, in the news cycle for like a day uh, before we moved on to $33 billion for Ukraine. So we're just in this, I mean, the depths of fuckery that we've reached at this point in in our political lives is um, astonishingly terrifying. (laughs) I mean, that's really where we're at. And it's not funny, but it is. It is a little funny just because it's, it's gotten to be, I mean, I thought we were living in a clown world like a year ago. You know, I thought that the clown world was already upon us, but really... It was the clown world just playing just the tip with what we're going to have to deal with now. And it's just the lack of of like really good faith discussion and debate on any of these topics, whether it be Roe versus Wade or student loan forgiveness or Ukraine. Like the, it's, a, it's a complete nuanced vacuum, right? Or just a, a common sense vacuum. And you'll see that theme today as we kind of discuss this because what I wanted to be able to do here is especially with the with not the ministry of truth so much but with this Roe versus Wade situation and the student debt uh situation is just point out that like there's actually really productive conversations that we ha- can be had around this uh if people could put their emotions aside and their partisan partisan bickering aside and their need to fundraise on these issues aside um we can have a real conversation but zero people are interested in that right zero people are interested in that and it's 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 just you know, I have conversations with people that disagree with me in good faith, and, and I and I really appreciate those conversations. I feel like I get a lot out of those conversations, and I hope that the people that I'm discussing things with generally do too. You know, I hear that from uh, with this Roe versus Wade thing, just sharing stuff on Instagram here and there. You know, people saying like, "Well, you did make me look at it a little bit differently," and that's all I can ever ask for, right? It's a, I'm a sharer of perspective. I'm not an expert. I'm just a person that has a relatively diverse life experience and. I try and share that here, not to tell you how to think or what to think or what's right or wrong, because a person that 
pretends to to have access to absolute truth and right and wrong and good and evil is a charlatan and a piece of shit, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I think I can shed some light on some things, you know, look at things a little bit differently, and that's maybe good, maybe bad, I don't know. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. But we're going to do our best here. So if you can, if you'd like to jump in the Patreon, it'd be a great way to support the show. Um, these things are not cheap. <laughs> the things that we have to, that it requires to do this show, uh, are not cheap. So if you could find a way to support the show via the Patreon, if you have the ability to do so, I'd very much appreciate that. It's patreon.com slash politically homeless. You're going to get a bonus episode every week sourced from the Patreon for the Patreon and ad free episodes of thought criminals before they release to the public. As soon as they are done and edited, I actually have a really fun conversation coming up with my friend Emily. She is a birth doula, and we're going to talk about the the um, the birthing industry, the birthing industrial complex, which is more powerful than you would think. But that'll be coming up soon. I had to reschedule because of the flu, obviously, but that's the next one in the pipeline and some more great conversations coming up after that as well. One thing I do like to offer the people in the Patreon is the ability to ask questions and a little Q&A at the end of the at the end of the interviews. That way we can that's just for the Patreon homies. So if you're interested in something like that, check it out, patreon.com slash politically homeless. And now let's get to the state of things. We'll see how we're gonna do today. I think a lot of it's gonna be riffing and thinking and talking. And trying to stay alive. Let's do it. <clears throat> Gonna be a little bit of that today on the show. <laughs> I'll try and keep it from being too crazy. Let's start off talking about student loan debt. Because Biden floated this out there the other day, and I've got a little Yahoo Finance up here. Let's pull this up right now. Will Biden forgive student loan debt? Here's where things stand now. Now, this is something he's floated, something that was discussed a ton uh, in the primary and in the election. But like many things, like codifying Roe versus Wade in the Obama administration with a supermajority, um, died as soon as the election was over with. This this student loan debt forgiveness now. As I talked about, the trend on this show today is going to be this kind of lack of good faith conversation around this issue particularly. Let's give you a little bit of context here. It says borrowers borrowers could soon get good news. It seems likelier than ever that President Biden will take the extraordinary step of announcing widespread federal student loan debt forgiveness in the coming weeks. In recent months, Democratic lawmakers have and voters have been pushing the president to fulfill his campaign promise of canceling $10,000 in federal student loan debt per borrower. Just last week, Biden said he would give more details on the federal forgiveness plan. Um, the first time he's given any sort of timeline on the action. So it's still very much up in the air and there's a lot of conversation to be had about this. But what we're seeing right now is this this vacuum again of just good faith conversations around the issue, right? What you have on the on the left, we'll call it the left to be reductionist, is people crying about the student loan debt issue, freaking out as if they're as if they had zero capacity to make a decision when they were 17 or 18 years old when they really decided to make get these student loans. Um which 
I wouldn't say they had zero capacity, but they had limited capacity and limited information. And we can have that kind of conversation, right? And on the right, you have these people saying, we're not going to, you know, to pay for your student loans. Which the thing is, <clears throat> in these rural areas, a lot of people don't go to college. Um, they get trade jobs and they do their thing and they pay their taxes, which they generally resent because it goes to shit that, that, that they don't ever see. And I can totally understand why they would be frustrated. Um with this situation because it has zero impact on them personally. Uh, so we have a, a lot here going on here, right? And what I would like to see is an actual conversation around the fact that, yes, these people made the decision to get student loans. They did as children. And they were groomed, speaking of groomers, they were groomed to make that decision by organizations, institutions that are much larger and much more powerful than they are, right? They were groomed and sold a false bill of goods that, hey, you're going to go to college and then you're going to make more money because of that. And they're going to, and I remember these, when I was in high school, they showed you the stats of like, you can make a million more dollars over your lifetime and all this other bullshit, right? Which is all horseshit. It's, it's selective data. It's lies. And this is the stuff they were telling us when we were 14, 15 years old, right? Uh, it's kind of the same time frame in life when the, the, when the Christians try and get you to not have sex, right? It's like they, they sell you a false bill of goods about purity culture and all this other bullshit. And you, 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 you fall for it, hook, line, and sinker oftentimes. I know I did uh, because you're a teenage moron. And you have zero understanding of how the fucking world works, right? So you're conned into taking these loans, which the, the, the federal backing of these loans had made these institutions that don't do a very good job of educating anybody exorbitantly expensive, right? But you did make the decision at the end of the day. You did make the decision to do the thing, right? With zero concept of how much $100,000 actually is or how long that would take you to pay off. And they give you these like fake projections of, where, oh, it'll take you this long. It's all, it's all horseshit, right? So you're fraudulently induced into a contract, that's what student loans are. You are fraudulently, fraudulently induced into a contract to pay for a thing that is overpriced and underuseful. Okay? And so the Republicans don't ever want to like have that conversation of like, hey, you're fraudulently induced. I understand the personal responsibility, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but your fraudulent, fraudulent inducement into a contract is illegal. Okay? I got out of a lease, a 10-year lease when I owned my gym because I was fraudulently induced. Now we settled that out of court but they knew I had them by the balls because I was lied to, right? Yes, I did make the decision to lease this, this unit for 10 years. I absolutely did. This is where my gym was going to be for 10 years or seven years. Excuse me, it was seven years. But I was lied to, and they did not uphold their side of the bargain, which you can say, well, what is the side of the bargain, right? Is it to educate you or is it to, uh, to put you off into a job market with a little bit of leverage? These are all kind of conversations that we could be having again. My frustration here is with a lack of conversation. And then on the uh, where I feel like coming from the, the conservative side where the bad faith arguments come from there is like, well, we don't want to pay for other people's mistakes. Yes, I understand and sympathize with that view. But instead of saying that, why don't you, why don't you look towards the left and be like, hey, it's clear that this is a problem. You guys have identified and really like put a pin on this problem that exists. How can we go about creating a, a, a remedy for this that is not unfair to people who didn't go to college, right? It's not unfair to them. And it also embraces the reality that the people who took these student loans were conned into these student loans. 
right? They were fraudulently induced into these student loans. So what can we do here? Instead, that, that, that's the conversation. That's where we need to be in this process right now is not fuck those people because they made a stupid decision and not let's forgive all of student loans just because they're student loans, right? It's what can we do that doesn't punish other people for mistakes of, of, that they have nothing to do with while recognizing that the people who made that mistake were lied to. And how can we do something about that that moves us forward as a country and gets us kind of gives us a pathway to releasing this burden on the American population, which would also be great for our economy. It'd be, it'd be great for entrepreneurship. It would allow people more freedom to produce, create, compete in the job markets. These are all really important things. A lot of people are stuck in their jobs because they have student loan debt. Right, and they don't have the ability to go create something, or take, they can't take that risk. It's the America is better off. Our country is better off when people have the capacity to take risk, right? And starting a business, doing a thing, working for yourself, whatever it is, right? We need that capacity to take risk to be innovative, right? Which is a very libertarian argument, but using taxpayer money to pay for all those. Uh, all those student loans at 1.9 trillion, which I don't think they'd clear 1.9 trillion. I think it'd be like 1.1 uh, because they wouldn't deal with the master's degrees and higher level degrees, which do lead to you making more money, generally speaking, uh, depending on what the degree is in. So if we were at that place in the conversation where it's like, okay, what do we do about it that doesn't punish people that, where no one's actually, let's just say, no one's punished for being fucked. Right, <laughs> I think we can all agree that people shouldn't be punished over fraud. Right, we have laws against that for a reason. We just need to accept that the government, the banks, and the and the school systems, the university systems have have colluded into defrauding thousands of American citizens. Okay, so with that, we can say, well, how do we go about doing this? Where the pro- the people are the 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 appropriate people are punished, not everyday average American citizens with student loans or without. And I think the way we do that is this. We manage interest. I think, and this would be, this is directly correlate, right? Just keep in mind with how this would correlate with who's getting forgiveness and how much forgiveness they're getting in almost pre-means tested is the way that I want to go about doing this. I think we look at everything, we do an audit of all these student loans, and whatever was paid in interest, whatever was paid in interest on that principle is forgiven. Now, that's not paid for with taxpayer money. That's not anything. It's just deducted from their principal loan. And who eats that? The same banks that were bailed out in 2008. So we bailed them out. Now they get to help bail us out. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of deal, right? So the interest is deducted from the principal, and then you cap the interest rate going forward at a very low rate, maybe 1%, right? Or a fraction of a percent, which would then change the incentive structure for these banks and these institutions, and things would become different, right? Because if they're not enough, if they're not as profitable, and aren't secured because this has to be paired. Whatever you want to do with student loan debt, it has to be paired with massive reform. Okay? 
So number one, we go about that. We cap the interest rate. We deduct the amount of interest paid off of the principal. That'll get a lot of people out of debt, I believe, or pretty fucking close. And get people, they're not, then people just aren't paying interest only on this loan, right? And if you've had your loan for 20, 30 years, if you're one of those people, it's pretty clear that you're trapped with this loan. If you've had it for 30 years, right? If you're looking at Social Security being docked to pay for your student loan, you've probably struggled to pay that loan back. Those people are going to have to pay the highest interest, and they're going to have the most of their loan deducted, right? Because they paid more interest. Where if somebody's paid it, paid it off at a much faster rate, they're going to pay less interest. So it's kind of means-tested based on the amount of time. Right, So we do that. We change the incentive structure. And then, as a part of the reform, everyone should be able to get an undergraduate bachelor's degree, a basic degree, in two years. Two years. So let's be real with this. You're learning some basic skills in college, yes. It's important. I think I think some classes, especially when it comes to business and things like that, are really can be really helpful in giving you a framework, especially if you're going to go on to do something like accounting or or something that requires an, uh, a higher level education. I think it's a great idea to be able to get that degree in two years, which effectively cuts student loan debt in half going forward, right, with no other reforms. Now, we do some other things looking at, like, why college is so expensive. Where is the money going? Where where have the costs increased? Well, I'd look at that. It's not because professors are making tens of thousands of dollars a, a, a semester, right? It, they, they get paid like shit a lot of times. It's administration. It's administrative fees, right? So we got to do something on making books not 300 fucking dollars just because they can be. That makes no sense, Right? So reducing profitability there for these fucking this scam artists and be able to get an undergraduate degree in two years. Then you can decide if you want to go do a higher level degree or not. Or you can go into the workforce, which gives you a little bit of time to grow up, create a little bit of a network, which creating a network in college can be very profitable after college. Now, if I would have gone into something like real estate or construction, my network from school would have been really, really beneficial for me as far as making deals and making money. So there is a place for that. There's a, a lot of social sorting happens in college. It can be really beneficial as far as growing into a productive member of society. I fully believe that depending on where you want to go. If you want to be a welder, that's not the case, right? If you want to be a welder or a mechanic, we're having a different conversation. But if you want to work in a different industry and making land deals and building buildings and doing shit like that, well, it would be helpful to have a network of people that live in a similar area right? I grew up in Texas. I went to school in Texas. And a lot of my buddies still are doing deals together from college because they knew each other and they came up together in an industry. So it can be really helpful. But we've got to reevaluate the way we look at the whole situation and come to a point in the conversation where we're saying, okay, we can agree that this is fucked. What do we do about it without punishing people that don't deserve to be punished, loan holders or not? And then start instituting reform. You don't need underwater basket weaving to get your undergrad business degree, okay? You don't need racquetball. You don't need chemistry, right? There are some basics you need, but after high school, I don't really need to learn about fucking history or government if, I'm, if it's not relevant to me. Because the goal has, it, it seems like they, the, the college just divorced itself from pr- creating productive members of society and leaned heavy on just milking people for as much money as they can. And that is a huge problem.
So we've got to look at this differently, and that's what I wanted to bring this up for. It's why I brought, I wanted to share this today, is because I wanted to point out just the lack of good faith conversation being had from both sides, from pundits or politicians. And look at like just within this ten minute dialogue here that we had a fifteen minute dialogue, we've I've come up with a couple of decent ideas that I'd like to see somebody rebuff. Right? Let's go. Let's have a conversation about it. Right? And try and find some middle ground, which has become fucking impossible. It's come become fucking impossible in our in our current kind of social landscape to just say, hey, let's let's agree that this is kind of a, a fucked up situation and see what we can do about it without punishing people that don't deserve to be punished. And while punishing the institutions that created this problem in the first place. But the way that it's been going, you know, and and, and I wasn't really super keen on what was going on during the dot-com dot crash, but in 2008, the homeowners got punished and the institutions got bailed out. And that seems to be a common theme, Right? It seems to be a common theme. I have zero interest in doing a gigantic giveaway to the fucking banking and, 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 and university system, right? That doesn't. I'm not interested in doing that at all, especially with fucking taxpayer money. Those people have gotten enough taxpayer money. I'm done bailing those motherfuckers out. But with my trickle up, trip, trip, trickle up economics kind of bias, I think providing more financial freedom for the American people to take risk when it comes to generating income, right? Switching jobs, creating things. That's good shit. That's innovation. That's what we're built on. And that's being robbed from us by corrupt institutions. So can we have the conversation, right? And I'd love to have the conversation with anybody watching or listening to this right now. Like why not do an interest forgiveness that comes out of the bank's bottom line not yours, not mine, not taxpayer funded, and then cap interest rates. Because we forget that these banks that run the show here owe us big time. And we need to start fucking acting like it. It seems like we're beholden to them. (laughs) when that could not be further from the truth. Well, I have no idea where this segment's going to go, but uh, I do have a link to this article from Glenn Greenwald. Homeland Security's disinformation board is even more pernicious than it seems. The power to decree what is disinformation uh, now determines what can and cannot be discussed on the Internet, and it is now in the hands of trained disinformation agents from the U.S. security state. This here is uh, Nina J. Uh, I cannot pronounce her last name for the life of me. She is the new chief of the thought police. Um, this is terrifying. Right, because there's one thing; it's one thing for us to look at this, uh, you know, with the, what's been going on with like disinformation labels and all this other bullshit that's happening on social media. It's one thing when the when the big when big tech is kind of colluding here, right, with the government or whoever else and CDC or the WHO, whatever. It's one thing for them to be colluding, right? It's different for now there to be a this disinformation board, this Ministry of Truth within the Department of Homeland Security, where people have guns and can arrest you. They could put you in fucking Guantanamo Bay for not following the party line. And people are, you know, usually when you use like Orwellian kind of references like to 1984 and, 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 um, oh, what's the other one? Animal House. When you use, uh, was it, what's it called? Not Animal House. Animal Farm. Whatever. Um, you know what I'm talking about. 
when you use those, it's it's intentionally hyperbolic, right? It's like, yeah, this is kind of like that, you know. It's like, but this is not hyperbolic at all. The, the the mission statement of the Ministry of Truth from 1984 and the Disinformation Board at Homeland Security are overlap in a big way. <laughs> it's like it's not even subtle. It's in, it's fucking crazy. This is this is crazy talk. So let's read through some of this article here. I want to point some of this out. This is really well done. He actually Glenn, Glenn unlocked this today. So this is for paid subscribers only, but he just put it out for everybody. So make sure to go check this out at greenwall.substack.com. It says the most egregious and blatant US uh, disinformation campaign in years took place 3 weeks before the 2020 presidential election. That was when dozens of former intelligence officials purported in an open letter to believe that an authentic emails regarding Joe Biden's activities in China and Ukraine reported by the New York Post were Russian disinformation. The quasi-official proclamation enabled liberal corporate media outlets to uncritically mock and then ignore those emails as Kremlin-created fakes, and it pressured big tech platforms such as Facebook and Twitter to censor the reporting at exactly the same time Americans were preparing to decide who would be the next U.S. president. We all remember that, the walk down memory lane that was egregious, and it was pretty obvious from the jump um, that those emails were authentic. They've been since been authenticated. Uh, so... What? Like that's right. You would think that if you're going to appoint somebody as the chief of thought police, you would have vetted them and said, hey, like, where were you on this? Did you have any egregious takes? But old Nina J here did have many egregious takes when it came to the Hunter Biden laptop story and was sucked in and conned and uh, a spreader of disinformation. So interesting stuff there. Interesting stuff. Now we go through, he talks at length about um, that whole story, which is great. Great. It says, this scam is is the crucial context for understanding why the Biden administration casually announced last week the creation of what it's calling the Disinformation Board inside the Department of Homeland Security. There is no conceivable circumstance in which a domestic law enforcement agency like DHS should be claiming the power to decree truth and falsity. Operatives of the U.S. security state are not devoted to combating disinformation. The opposite is true. They are trained career liars taxed with concocting and spreading disinformation, as Politico's Jack Schaefer wrote. Who among us thinks the government should add to its work list the job of determining what is true and what is disinformation? And who thinks the government is capable of telling the truth? Our government produces lies and disinformation at industrial scale and always has. It overclassifies vital information to block its own citizens from, citizens from becoming any the wiser. It pays thousands of press aides to play hide the salami with facts, making the federal government the official custodian of truth would be like a Brinks, be like Brinks giving a safe cracker the job of driving an armored car. The, Pope, the purpose of Homeland Security agents is to propagandize and deceive, not enlighten and inform. That is absolutely right. And we remember, and I know some of you guys may be too young for this, but like after 9-11, you had like uh, t- threat level orange and red and purple and fuchsia and whatever the fuck else. All of that was just lies, right? It was like, we need you to be scared this week, so we're going to keep you on your toes with this threat level orange. It was all bullshit. It was all bullshit. Taking off your shoes, going through TSA if you, if you don't have uh, pre-check. Well, you still got to do that. Never went away, right? Which is a perfect allegory for like what government power does. Just like the TSA. It's like, well, we figured out that like a lot of this stuff is pretty useless, but we're still going to keep putting on the show. 
We're going to put on the show. It's like the fucking Kardashians. The Kardashians are such a great uh, representation of America. Just put on the fucking show. That's all we're doing here. We're putting on the show of freedom, right? We masquerade as free while having the largest prison population uh, in the world. I think more than the rest of the world combined, right? Liberty, my ass. So we've got this disinformation board. Now you have a lot of Republicans that are calling to disband this thing. But here's where we're at, right? And I want to think about this on a bigger scale. Because of the Biden administration and and kind of in tow, the federal government has lost so much credibility in the last year of the Trump administration. By the fact by Trump even becoming president, and I understand that a lot of you guys like Trump. But Trump didn't do any favors to the to, to, to the to trustworthiness of, of our government institutions, right? It degraded it from a different direction. Now you have the Biden administration that has just run this clownish um, this, this this kind of clownish uh, agenda for the past couple of years now, and we just see this this massive erosion from all sides of of respect in these institutions. Now, if you're me. You lost respect in the many of these institutions years and years ago. But I was an out, I used to be an outlier, right? I was, an, I was one of those people who was like a naysayer. I was always, people would even call me a contrarian as if I do this out of just joy for being different than other people. That's not at all what it is, right? I look at the history and say, well, I trust these organizations. And that's the thing, I do trust these organizations to do exactly what they've always done. It's one of the best things I learned about interpersonal relationships in my life. Trust people to do what they've done. Trust organizations to do what they've done, right? This is why people get so pissed at me with the Ukraine thing. And where I see that, which I guess I, based on, on, on old Nina J here, I'm a spreader of disinformation because I, I look at things in a different way. But I can't just trust what the U.S. Uh, security establishment, right, the intelligence establishment, it says because they've lied over and over again. And I remember. I remember them lying. I don't forget. Right? I remember Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Yemen. I know what's going on here. This is not this is not it's not subtle. But you have people coming in and be like, but this time they're telling the truth about Ukraine? No. No. But that's where it needs to be, right? Just like in 1984, right? The, the chocolate rations have always been six grams or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like you can post-date something and be like, well, that was, you know, we're, we're changing what that actually meant and where that goes and how that's interpreted and what that can mean to you and who could even fucking say it. Lab leak's another great one, right? The ivermectin one is another great one, right? So it's like we're, we're looking at this whole deal here and it's like, <laughs> I don't understand if they're trying to like claw back some kind of reputational salve here, like some kind of like trying to trying to heal the reputation, but the Every time they go about it, they're, one, abundantly unclear on what this fucking disinformation board even does. Nobody has articulated that well. Not one single person, right? And then you got this broad over here singing Mary Poppins covers, but subbing in disinformation in supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> I fucked that one up. But it's... I don't know why... Like, and I was talking to somebody yesterday. It's like, it just, no, nothing makes any sense anymore, right? Like, are we two degrees of separation between from this to people showing up at your door with fucking guns because you said the wrong thing? 
Is that is that where we're at? Are we are we moving closer and closer to Australia? It sure seems that way. You know, and I've got a little bit of a conspiratorial bend, but I'm not like a conspiracy theorist necessarily. There's a lot of unanswered questions about 9-11 and JFK's assassination that, you know, are glaring. But <laughs> I don't understand how they wouldn't vet the woman for putting her in charge. It's like if you wanted to bring back some credibility, maybe you should pick somebody who had a dissenting opinion that ended up being right. Or maybe that wasn't engaged in spreading disinformation themselves. You know, this person is such a shill, such a shill. And I have zero interest and zero respect for anything that comes out of this person's mouth. But I also have zero respect for anything that the the Department of Homeland Security does. You see where I'm getting at with this? Because sometimes I get really frustrated with like conservatives, especially like military conservatives. And I respect military service members and and the sacrifices they made. This is not about that. But they they have this trouble with authority, right? And they want small government and all this other bullshit. When really, they leveraged your skills to play out what they wanted to play out, right? Their own agenda. You You were their tool. If you were a special ops guy, you were the tool. Were you not? Of this establishment that you seem to like have some kind of disdain for. But you're a hard ass, so that makes it different. Like I get I get really wound up in all of this stuff. It's really hard for me to like reconcile that. I'm like, what? Like you've seen it firsthand, and I understand that, but there it's very selective in where their criticism lies, right? Like the the military conservatives are like, they don't want their they don't want the their government right? The United States government to infringe upon them. But when the United States government uses them to infringe upon the rights of other people, innocent people at that, it's okay. So I have zero, I have zero kind of respect for their takes when it comes to uh, government overreach. You know what I mean? But if you, if you view the entire world through a lens of American exceptionalism, I understand how you can get there. It's just weird, man. I'm kind of all over the place with this, and I couldn't even really come up with what to actually say besides this is just fucking scary. Like, it's just really scary. And the idea that this is going to, like, go away when Republicans win, like they're going to just just disband this thing, and they may put on a show of that. They're not. This is a continuation of something that was going on under the Trump administration. Now, with him, it happened to to be about um, immigration somehow. But it was always going to be leveraged by the other side, right? So this isn't going to go away. It's going to become a normal thing, just like Homeland Security didn't just go away. No. They will keep using it. The conservatives will use it to do... And that's the thing, too. If you're in support of this, which no one listening to this is in support of this, but if you are, somehow, or you know somebody who is, the only question is, are you okay with Trump wielding the power of this? And if you're okay with Trump wielding the power of it and not Biden, or you're okay with Biden and not Trump wielding the power of the ministry of truth, then you need to understand that you're not a principled human being. This is about principles. Okay, as many things we discuss in this show are. And to look at this situation and say, oh, 
Well, it's fine. It was fine because it, it happened under the Trump administration, right? If you're upset about this, but you're a huge Trump fan and a fan of everything, and said and, and say, "Oh, I love this," when they say he did what he said he was going to do. Well, he created this, All right? And Biden just built on top of it. He built it back better for himself, <laughs> and that's where we're at. So I'm not comfortable with any political party or any operative having this power, and I'm sure as fuck. Not comfortable at all with the U.S. security state increasing their power and their surveillance. And I love how they even said they don't, they won't use this to surveil uh, American citizens, as if that's ever been true. Crazy times, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. I've loved this company for a long time, and I've loved the founders for a long time, known them for a long time, but I think it's about a year now they've been sponsoring the show, and one, you guys have just delivered because they have great products. Like, you guys go over there, you hit the link in the in the show notes, and you go get the stuff, and apparently you just keep buying it because it's fucking awesome. Like, it is next-level shit. I think something like 80% of CBD companies have been outed as just using trash for their uh, for their supplementation. Not cured, guys. Not cured. Don't go to like, don't get the bullshit at like CVS. You're not going to get good stuff there. I don't know where you're buying your stuff. H-E-B, Whole Foods. Stay away from it, guys. You got to go direct to consumer. Once you get away from the, the the big box retailers and their nonsense, you can get into some good stuff. And that's why I love cured quality sourcing, quality ingredients, really high level compounding of different Supplements that all have a return on investment, adaptogen, CBD, just enough THC is is in their blends to get the maximum effects from the CBD. If you don't have any THC, there's zero THC in your CBD supplements, you are not getting the full effects of that CBD. And what Cure does is just keep right below the legal limit of, of THC in their supplements. So it can be shipped all over the country, no big deal. It's above board, it's legal. But there's enough in there. They're not going to full zero, which you should know because if you overdo it with some of their supplements, you can definitely get a little high or if you have a very low tolerance. But at the end of the day, it makes for a better supplement, a more well-rounded supplement when it comes to binding those cannabinoid receptors in your brain. Now, as you all know, I've been sick as shit for the past two weeks. I'm finally feeling better and I can I can really... Just give a little bit of a testimonial here when it comes to the nightcaps and Zen. Those are both nighttime uh, supplements. They're geared towards the end of the day when you're about to go to sleep. But given that I was, I spent several days just rolling around, even with the supplements. I mean, it was, you know how it is. You're sweating everywhere. You're, I was just, it was bad. It was so rough. But once I got back to where I could actually sleep again and wasn't just like restlessly rolling around, these nightcaps, and I did double the dose. Nightcaps and Zen just saved my ass. Like I finally got it. I mean, I think I slept 12 hours one night kind of on and off, but I really think if I wouldn't have had these, it would have been even, even harder to recover. And it was so, I was so grateful to have an abundance of nightcaps and Zen through this time where I was trying to, trying to get myself right. And of course I used the raw CBD caps and stuff, other stuff as well. Now that it's been two weeks out of the gym, I'm definitely going to be leaning on their salve, their salve. Salve, salve, whatever, how you're going to say it, that muscle, that CBD muscle, uh, muscle, uh, relaxer that you just rub on your skin and nice, nice, nice and, uh, nice and loose, nice and tingly. You know what I mean? That feeling. I love that feeling. And since I have a propensity to get a little sore, a little stiff in my back, 
I'll be having Keldog rub that all up on me. So got a lot of great supplements here, guys. I mean, I've sang their praises forever. I know I've been really ripping on the nightcaps and the cured Zen just because it's I've the the, the if you want to take a supplement, right? That's the thing. If you want to take a supplement, you want to feel and see a difference. And that's hard to do when you talk about things that 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 impact you neurologically and and different stuff like that are supposed to just like generally help you in your well-being but with the nightcaps and the zen you have like within a night you're like okay this is different like this is a different thing i can actually feel the difference and that to me says a lot about the quality of their products so go check it out guys curednutrition.com you can use promo code homeless it's gonna get you a 10 percent off discount and you make sure to use that link in my show notes of this show you can listen do it while you're listening to the show to scroll down and click on it bada bing bada boom head over there check out all their stuff and again promo code homeless if you use that link in my show notes it lets everybody know that you came from this show so that'd be really helpful even if you're reordering stuff so check it out guys curednutrition.com Link in the show notes, promo code HOMELESS will get you 10% off. Our show is also brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Another thing that was super clutch during this flu situation, staying hydrated and just keeping water down. The first few days, I was just hardly able to drink anything at all. It, like, it made my whole body like queasy just to even put anything in my mouth. It was It was awful. But... I took it really serious and I was able to drink again to make sure to drink plenty of water and Element helped me so much. Not only does the magnesium and the salt that's mixed in with this sugar-free beverage help with the palatability and make me want to drink more water and actually increase the level of hydration I was getting during that time. I mean, it's all fun and games until you're really fucked up. You know what I mean? It is all fun and games. Like, yeah, I'm hydrated until like you're having a hard time drinking water. So I was just hammering Element uh, for this last week or so, just trying to make sure to, to to compensate for the lack of hydration that I had over that over that really rough week. Um, so guys, Element's awesome. Again, we're going into summer right now. It's important to stay hydrated, especially if you're active, if you're doing keto, low carb, paleo, if you're just sweating a lot, if you're hiking a lot. This stuff's gonna actually substantively improve your life. No bullshit. Element is a fantastic, fantastic drink mix. All you got to do, you can carry the packets with you. You can put them in your pack. If you're hiking, you can throw them in your car. Just keep them around. Put them in your gym bag. Dude, Rob will put this stuff together. The guy's a G. He's been around for a long time. He's a no bullshit nutrition guy. Do yourself a favor. If you have not tried Element, go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K, dot com slash wanders the link is in the show notes and you can check out a free variety pack i say it's free because all you have to do is cover shipping that's five dollars but you get a variety pack of their their uh, most popular flavors the ones people love the most i love the grapefruit and i love the watermelon those are my two favorites but you can also people like the citrus people like the chocolate to go with the with something hot at nighttime whatever you like guys this is a really valuable uh, a value add to your life okay being hydrated is no joke your cells need water to function, okay? So check it out, guys. DrinkElement.com slash Wanders. Get yourself that variety pack. And now let's get back to the show. Okay, everybody. Let's talk about Roe versus Wade. So we got this here. Uh, Politico leaked or shared the leak, as they should, by the way. I'm not going to um, <laughs> condemn Politico for doing journalism. They shared the leak that the Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights in a draft opinion. So we saw this. Now, this is a big deal, okay? The uh, the leak itself is a really big deal. So 
within the leak, you've seen a bunch, and the, and the narrative amongst conservatives have been pretty straightforward, right? We're looking at this and saying, okay, the leak is a insurrection, which is fucking stupid. Uh, this is just a, that it's a, you know it, it is unprecedented. It hasn't happened in a long, long time, and it hasn't happened in this way. And it's a violation of of the sanctity of the court, which it is, it is. But again, let's talk about principles really quick, right? Because there's so much focus on the leak and how it's being used for intimidation, which it is going to be used for intimidation. Don't get me wrong, right? Which is not good. Not condoning that. But that being said. For all my conservative homies out there, which there are many listening to this right now, if the Supreme Court was going to rule in an unfavorable way when it came to the Second Amendment and somebody leaked that beforehand, would you still be upset? I would venture to say that many of you would not be. So if you're not upset about that hypothetical situation, then you have zero ground to stand on when it comes to being upset about this leak. Okay, so if you're going to be upset, be upset in a principled way. Think about that and, st- and steel man the other side however you want. Whatever the whatever that issue is, it's really gets you wound up. If there's a leak that shows that issue being undermined by the Supreme Court, you would probably be glad that it happened. So it gave at least gave you some kind of resource to have or um, recourse to have your voice heard. So let's not pearl clutch about the leak. Yeah, it's not. Good necessarily, but it's totally dependent on which side of the issue you're on. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. And so before I get into my opinions, I think there's something else that we really need to understand before making an opinion about this when it comes to the courts. Now, this is uh, Glenn Greenwald put out a great, again, we're going to use him a lot today on the show, uh, a great Substack article kind of breaking a lot of this down. It's called The Irrational Misguided Discourse Surrounding the Supreme Court Controversies Such as Roe v. Wade. And this is in a moral general sense, but it kind of surrounds this issue. So I thought this was really, really helpful to me right here as I was seeking to understand more and more about this. It says, when the court, the court strikes down a law that majorities support, it may be a form of tyra- uh, judicial tyranny if the invalidated law does not violate any actual rights enshrined in the Constitution. But the mere judicial act of invalidating a law supported by a majority of citizens, though frequently condemned as undemocratic, is in fact a fulfillment of the court's prime function in a republic. Unless one believes that the will of the majority should always prevail, the laws restricting or abolishing free speech due to the pro- due to due Due process and free exercise of religion should be permitted as long as enough citizens support it. Then one must favor the Supreme Court's anti-democratic and anti-majoritarian powers. Rights can be violated by a small handful of tyrants, but they can also be violated by hateful, unhinged majorities. The founders' fear of majoritarian tyranny is why the U.S. was created as a republic rather than a pure democracy. Whether the court is acting properly or despotically when it strikes down a democratically elected law or otherwise acts contrary to the will of the majority depends upon only one question, whether the law in question violates a right guaranteed by the Constitution. A meaningful assessment of the court's decision is impossible without reference to that question. Yet each time the court acts as a, in a controversial case, judgments are applied without any consideration of that core question. Okay. So the Supreme Court, they serve their lifetime sentences as the Supreme Court, they do that because they're not influenced. They should not be influenced by the majority, right? Tyrannical majorities are a thing. 
right? Just think about if all the Christians decided that no other religions could be practiced in the United States. That'd be a tyrannical majority. So there's safeguards against that, which is well thought out when it comes to the founding fathers. That being said, when this was being thought up, things like black people being equal, right? Or abortion or a slew of other things that we consider normal now, right? Free speech on the internet. <laughs> like these, the, all these things weren't really considered by the founding fathers. And that's also a valid point. So they put some safeguards in there to understand, understanding human nature and the tyranny of majorities oftentimes, that this would be important. So we got to keep that in mind. The role of the Supreme Court is not to be democratic. It is by nature anti-democratic. It's a safeguard against tyrannical majorities. Keep that in mind. And people that are like, well, five, you know, five people are making decisions for everybody. That's the way it was set up. Do I think it's a perfect system? Far from it. I don't think that presidents should be able to appoint as many Supreme Court justices as Trump did. I think you should max out at two per term. And then the other party gets to pick the, the third. Right? And then you go back. If you have four justices die in a term, that'd be pretty astonishing. So that's where I'm at with the thing. But we have to understand, this is what it is. And with that being said, abortion is not guaranteed in the Constitution. So while it's very debatable, we have the Ninth Amendment saying, like, right to privacy, which has been infringed upon by our federal government time and time again, but we, that's, that's a show for a different time. <clears throat> There's a, this is a very complex issue. Very complex, very com- and it can be seen a million different ways, right? People think that they have, like, the right interpretation of the Constitution. That's like having the right interpretation of the Bible, okay? <laughs> like, you have to try to apply what they were getting at and the essence of a thing, and you could say, oh, I'm an originalist, and that's stupid because, like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, <laughs> it was over 200 years ago. we got to have a conversation about, like, how that applies to our life today. Things have changed. Humans change, we evolve. It's, it's again, complex. And here's something you won't hear many people say. Both sides of the issue, except for the extremes, except for the extremes, in my opinion, the majorities on both sides of the issue have valid points and would do well to have a conversation and try and find some middle ground. Because when we look at this situation, right, with what was going on, it seemed like Justice Roberts from what I'm understanding here, wanted to find out a way to uphold the 15, the abortion ban after 15 weeks in Alabama without overturning Roe versus Wade, which I also think is a nice place to get to. If we could set a precedent that, yes, while Roe forces, and this is the thing where Roe gets rooted, it's, where Roe, I think, was, and there was an error in that case of allowing on-demand abortions Throughout the entire pregnancy. That to me is an overreach. That is too much. And many people will agree with that, right? I would even say the majority would probably agree with that. That late-term abortions versus first-trimester abortions are two completely different things. Now, if you believe that life begins at conception, prove it, first of all. Prove it. Because I sure as fuck don't. And if we're just going off beliefs, neither one of those should mean anything. So just because... You believe a certain thing, right? Now, I you know a lot of those people are Christians, and God, in the Old Testament especially, had zero qualms about killing pregnant women and babies, right? That wasn't, I mean, 
God killed a bunch of people's kids because their parents didn't believe in the right thing and they didn't put the lamb's blood over their door, right? So God is like a, a kid killer. Like that's, we can have that conversation if you'd like to. And, you know, you can say, well, it was a, you know, a, God, God doesn't make mistakes, but he changed his mind between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't fucking care. Your God likes to kill kids. Sorry. It is what it is. I'm an originalist when it comes to the Bible. Um, so <laughs> we look at this thing. It's really frustrating. And again, both sides have valid points. But I think where it could have gone and where it should have gone personally, personally, is that they should have been able to uphold that 15-week ban in Alabama and any other state that wants to put in rational, practical safeguards against late-term abortion. I am very sympathetic with that view. It only takes a few photos of seeing different stages of abortion when you see, well, one of these things isn't like the others, okay? One of the things is not like the others. But when we look at the actual data and polling numbers around Roe versus Wade and abortion, we can look at this, right? People weren't that surprised, and I was kind of surprised, but people weren't generally surprised. About half, 50% of respondents said that they were they said there was a toss-up whether or not um, Roe would get overturned. And this is what Trump wanted. This is what MAGA world wanted. This is what the evangelicals wanted. Now, I think the evangelical crew has an undue influence on our political structure to the point that it grosses me the fuck out. I despise it. I would have much less resentment for the church if it didn't influence our fucking policy so much. Mind your own fucking business and leave people alone. I don't think Christians have no more entitlement to run my life than Satanists do or Islam or whatever the fuck else. Just because a handful of the founding fathers were Christian doesn't mean a goddamn thing to me. Okay? I'm pro-freedom, not pro-indoctrination into your freedom within the confines of, of fucking whatever Jesus happened to say or what some guys tripping on DMT in a cave saw 2,000 fucking years ago. I don't care. So anyways, moving on. It says, most Americans said there's at least a 50% chance of Roe being overturned. Blah, 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 blah. Americans do not want the Supreme Court to overturn Roe. 45 to 32. So we have not a majority, but a plurality of people there wanting, not wanting it to be overturned, which I'm, you could put me in that 45%. So looking at this, you say, okay, this is a very contentious issue, but... An out-and-out majority want people to have access to abortions. And that's where it gets weird, right? Because if you live in one of these southern states where this is going to be, these trigger laws are going to go into effect, and it's going to become banned immediately upon Roe versus Wade being overturned, which is likely to happen, right? If you live in one of those states and say it's a you know, 51-49 type of issue, well, then effectively half of the people don't agree with that policy and have to abide by it living in that state. I find that tyrannical. I think people should have access to this medical procedure if they want to make that choice. Do I think it's like pretty and yah yah and I want to like I want to like we want to celebrate abortions? No. I like the idea that they're safe, legal and rare, right? I also understand and empathize with people who are in a situation where they don't feel like they can bring a kid into this world and make it. Whether they already have kids, and this is what people don't under, conservatives will never say this. 
the majority, it's a slim majority, but the majority of women who have abortions already have children. So it's not that they don't understand the sanctity of life or the beauty of childbirth or the beauty of raising a child. They already have kids. And they're probably already stretched super thin when it comes to those kids. And that's why they're making this decision. If people had the ability, maybe that we had some kind of universal child care, hmm, weird. And there was some upward mobility because our economic structure wasn't such that people are working minimum wage jobs into their fucking 50s trying to make ends meet. Maybe then we wouldn't have as big of a drive for people aborting their children. And I think we can, I think conservatives would do well to take serious the responsibility of creating upward mobility for the working and lower class people that are having to use abortion, right? But they don't want to do that. They want to ban a thing. They're taking the same logical pipeline as they do with drugs and see how that works. Look at how well that's worked, you fucking morons. It's We're going back to the fucking Reagan era here. It makes no sense. Prohibitions do not work. It's plain and simple. And I had some fucking douchebag roll into my DMs like, people can cross state lines. That's fine. Yeah, okay, so Texas. Do you know how fucking big Texas is? So you're going to have to drive from Texas. Louisiana, no. Alabama, I mean, uh, Arkansas, no. Oklahoma, no. New Mexico, maybe. Colorado, that's your closest place. So you're going to drive from Houston to fucking Colorado? In your lunch hour? On your... Single day off? That doesn't make any sense, guys. Makes no sense. So if you have that argument, that's something that you think that should come out of your fucking mouth, do us all a favor and don't. So it's weird, right? It's weird. And I think, I'm again, I'm very sympathetic to people who would like to put a rational end date on this thing. And I think 12 to 15 weeks is totally reasonable. You usually don't find out you're pregnant for between six to eight weeks in, and that gives you a few weeks to make the decision, right? But until the Republicans want to put up when it comes to providing resources for these people or increase the ability of people to adopt children, which costs tens of thousands of dollars as it currently stands to adopt a child, then I have zero Sympathy for your position when all you want to do is create a new prohibition on abortions. That's going to end up with people dead. And then you have these motherfuckers who are coming in here and saying there's no exceptions for ectopic pregnancies or rape or incest. One woman even said it was an opportunity if you were raped to provide a good life for a child. What? And we all know this. Right, and I'm pulling out the greatest hits here, but we all know this stuff. This will not impact wealthy people at all. If some wealthy guy, doesn't matter if it could be a Republican congressman, if his daughter gets knocked up at 15, you know, you know there's going to be a secret little ski trip somewhere. Little mountain home. Going to go on a nice little family vacay. Right? We all know that's going to happen. And if you don't think that's the case, you're crazy. You are crazy. And then, because it's like the Republicans think people were, uh, Tim Pool actually was like, Republicans will be satisfied if it just gets kicked down to the states. 
Do you think so? Because the person that was on his show was like, no, I want an all out straight up ban across the board. Abortion ban nationwide. That's what these, that's what these people want, right? Many of them want this. And we're seeing that with places like Louisiana. Louisiana lawmakers advance bill making abortion homicide, even if Roe versus Wade isn't overturned. Now, of course, that would go to the Supreme Court and hopefully get fucking overturned. But what this does is gives any fertilized embryo the same rights as a human being, which would effectively outlaw IVF. That's right. These backwoods motherfuckers are trying to keep people who want to have children, right, that want to become parents from doing so by effectively making IVF illegal. And here's why it would be illegal. You may get several fertilized embryos, depending on who has their fertility issues, and it goes to IVF, and we're going through IVF right now. So based on the logic in Louisiana, I am a murderer. Because we fertilized five embryos that were healthy, and I'm sure as fuck not having five kids. So that means that two or three of those things aren't going to make it. They're not coming into this world. Okay, they're going to be in a freezer in a warehouse with hundreds of thousands of other fertilized embryos that now, for some reason, have the same rights as a human being in Louisiana. So stem cells, stem cell research, of course, that was a big thing back in the Bush era, will be murder. Does that seem like a step forward to anyone? Does that seem like a step forward to anybody at all? <sighs> I don't get it. I, it's like you you give these people an inch, and it's like, hey, I can sympathize with like the Roe versus Wade decision. I really can. I get it. It's not in the Constitution. Okay, let's do something about it. It gets kicked out of the states. All right, I wish we had the requirement to have access somewhere in the fucking state, and we had rational safeguards, I would like that. I would like for what happened in Alabama, the 15-week ban, to be upheld. But you can also can't say that's what, what is happening isn't and is anti-democratic because it's not. It's not. Because you can elect representatives in your state that are pro-choice. Now, here's the issue, though. Because if you want to say, okay, let's kick it down to the states, then why wouldn't we require states to put out a ballot initiative? In 2022, a require states to put out a ballot initiative to get the popular vote on this issue. That would be a good step. So if you're going to kick it down to the states, then the states need to actually make a choice, not via the representatives, but directly. I'd like to see that. I would like to see that. But this homicide bullshit is out of fucking control. And that has to go with ectopic pregnancies too. And they will, they'll, they'll talk themselves around this. The conservatives will talk themselves around the, the ectopic pregnancies and stuff, which will kill the mother, by the way. But it doesn't matter. Because that, that, to, to me, an ectopic pregnancy abortion isn't an abortion. It's a medical procedure. It's a life-saving procedure. But they don't care. They give zero fucks. It's not about that. It's about power. It's about leverage. So then on the other side, some other crazy fuckery here. 
SCOTUS protesters plan to march on justices' homes after public doxing of uh, via Roe versus Wade. So now we have protesters who are going to go to the justices' homes, which is a really slippery slope. It could get dangerous real quick, which is why it's bad when these things get leaked out because you have this situation. Now, I think if even if it didn't get leaked when the when the when Rovers overturned, this was probably likely to happen anyways. Now, we don't know if it was a a liberal staffer or a conservative staffer that leaked this. It's more likely it was liberal, but I don't know. Right? Cuz a liberal person would be like, "Hey, we're going to try and pressure these people into changing their votes," which can happen after an opinion. Or it could be a conservative saying, "Hey, we're going to put pressure on them to not change their mind." Both make sense logically, but it's more likely it was somebody from like Sotomayor or office or something like that but maybe not we don't know and i don't like i don't like when people like ben shapiro say that it was for certain a liberal staffer because we don't know that yet it's very likely that it was but we just don't know so this is dangerous and this is not good but again when you've completely undermined trust in the own in, in in these american institutions at their own hands well what do you expect? Right? What do you expect? And then conservatives and liberals alike are going to have to cope with this. Tesla will cover transportation costs for employee abortions. The company recently moved to Texas, which is home of some of the most restrictive abortion laws. So everybody who hates Elon Musk on the left for buying Twitter and allowing free speech is now like, well, <laughs> and the conservatives have been praising Elon for some reason. Um, might have a problem with this. But Elon is the troll of all trolls. And I'm glad he didn't get aborted. <sighs> but you know, as funny as it is, like, I would like to know how many Trump babies were aborted. I would just like to know. Like, what's the real number? You know, with as much cocaine as Don Jr.'s done, like, he's sprayed out in, a, in some hooker somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's clear. Like, there have been... <laughs> You know it. You know I'm not. You know I'm not full of shit. Let's just be real here. And the only reason I've never been put in this situation is because I was born with a vasectomy, right? And as we think about this, speaking of vasectomies, why isn't there more research, not into male birth control, because birth control is fucking terrible for you, terrible for you. Had a whole podcast about it on Thought Criminals. Go check it out with Danielle. Why are we looking at different ways for? Minimally invasive, invasive mastectomies, or excuse me, vasectomies, not mastectomies, excuse me, guys. Vasectomies, like with a clamp, I don't know, there's a mil- like we can do so many crazy things. Why not? If I had a 16-year-old or 15-year-old son and I could just like clamp his fucking vast deference shut and be like, hey, you're going to be, that's where you're going to be till you're ready to like do the thing for real, I'd be down with that. That doesn't seem any more invasive than an IUD, right? And why aren't IUDs free at the point of service? And if we did have a, a, essentially an IUD for a guy, which is a reversible vasectomy, minimally invasive, why wouldn't that be free at the point of service? So people can choose when they want to have children, right? Wouldn't that be more freedom? Wouldn't that be a better way to circumvent all this? Why don't you come up with innovative ways for less people to get pregnant? But what they'll say, what conser- the Republicans and conservatives will call that socialism. Like, well, we can't make any kind of medical care free. At the point of service, not even if it benefits the country as a whole, right? 
It can't be that hard. It cannot be that hard with the technological advances we've had in this country. We can't make a fucking vast deference clamp. You can't throw a rubber band on those motherfuckers and then sort it out later. It seems like that would make a lot of sense. But fuck if I know, man. I'm not a doctor. It just seems like that would make a lot of sense. to put a little bit of the onus on the boys instead of just the girls. Because they get the short end of the stick on this big time. And a lot of people can't take birth control. You know, hormone-free IUDs have a really good success rate, although they're not perfect. They do cause some health issues. But it is what it is. I don't want my daughter getting pregnant at 15. I don't want my son getting anybody pregnant at 15, 16, 17. And I'm not going to tell them that they should wait until they're married to have sex because that's also stupid. So we've got a lot going on here. Again, like I said, both sides have valid points. I If someone says killing babies, I immediately disregard whatever they have to say. So there's that. And if someone says that somebody should be able to have an abortion up to nine months, well, I also disregard what they have to say because those are the fringe minorities that are absolutely out of their fucking minds. And I have zero interest in playing that game with them. But I think I'm comfortably in the majority saying, yes, I think all women should have access to an abortion if they want one up to 15 weeks. Now, if you want to negotiate and make it 12 weeks, I'm, I'm, op- I'm open to that, to that discussion. I think that's also fair. I think it's plenty of time. But we got to grow the fuck up. Anybody who is a secular person or has a different take on Christianity doesn't really give a shit what evangelicals have to say about anything. So keep that shit out of my life. <clears throat> We're doing a bad job here, guys. We're doing a really, really bad job. Now, as soon as Roe versus Wade is overturned, there's a handful of things. 13 states have trigger laws, which will immediately outlaw abortion as soon as that is overturned. It's been a really coordinated effort. I mean, this is the difference in in in, in Republicans and Democrats, too. And I know we're talking about this for a long time, but it's definitely the biggest thing going on right now. Republicans stayed true to this for decades. They stuck with this for decades and stuck it out and made it happen. Whereas Democrats could have codified Roe into law. They could have codified access to abortions in every state into law during Obama's presidency and even probably somehow in the Biden presidency. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And that would have been where this needs to happen. This doesn't need to happen at the Supreme Court. This needs to happen in Congress. We need to have a discussion, a debate on what is appropriate, what is fair, what is equitable, what is moral, and go from there and create a compromise. Not some broad sweeping Roe versus Wade type situation and not some restrictive abortion as murder situation. But there's so little interest in finding a common ground. And I think the funny thing is, of course this, got, this, this, this leak is going to help Democrats in the midterm, but the Republicans did a great job of making this happen when that won't move the fucking needle too much because everybody is economically fucked. It's the economy, stupid, right? So this is not enough leverage to get them over the finish line. Now, the Republicans probably cut into their own victory a little bit, but they have such a big victory coming up in 2022 that I don't think it's going to matter. They will shut down, they will stall everything that the Biden administration wants to do after after the election. 
It just is what it is. So that's where we're at. That is where we're at. Again, complex issue. Both sides have good points. The fringes on both sides can fuck off. Like the 10% on either side of the issue can just fuck right off. I can't. But I do understand where people are coming from. And I think, generally speaking, people need to stay the fuck out of other people's lives. But this is where we're at. Culture War 3000, baby. This is, this is, this is our new normal. But we haven't talked about Ukraine in a while, so let's jump in here and see what the current happenings are. Biden wants to send $33 billion to request and you aid to request. Sorry. <laughs> Biden's $33 billion Ukraine aid request hits early snag over COVID funding in progress. So what they're trying to do here is bundle $33 billion in Ukrainian aid for a war that can't be won with $10 billion in COVID aid for a pandemic that is finished, that is over. So a pandemic that no longer exists, you need $10 billion in aid for that for some reason. And then we're going to send $33 billion in aid to Ukraine. $20 billion of that is essentially a handoff, right? Just a straight-up giveaway to weapons manufacturers here in the United States. So we just print money, give it to them, and they you know, pad their coffers. That's the way it normally goes. And funny thing is, our friends over at the, uh, at the Free Thought Project put out this article says, uh, White House admits they don't know where billions in weapons go after entering Ukraine. So whether or not you want to admit this, it's a fact. There are extremist elements in Ukraine. Okay? Okay. There are Nazi organizations that are prevalent in Ukraine. Okay? So we have extremists in Ukraine. And we're also sending a fuck ton of weapons over there. Which, despite the fact that they're white is very similar to what we were doing in Afghanistan when they were occupied by Russia with the Mujahideen, which then turned into every terrorist organization we've ever had to deal with. So (laughs) we've seen that sending a bunch of weapons to support a country with extremist elements against Russia kind of ends up poorly sometimes. Like The other day I was watching, uh, just perusing Instagram, and there was some... Some uh, Ukrainian just launching grenades into the Donbass region. So there's Ukrainians shooting Ukrainians. But the Ukrainians in the Donbass um, are considered Ukrainians, I guess. You know, we need to aid Ukraine, but not that part of Ukraine. There is a very clear, and this is one thing you don't hear, right? You see this. We see this this, this Ukraine aid request. And, of course, it hits nags because the, they want to pair it with some COVID shit, and then Republicans are pissed about that, and they want to vote on it separately. I'm kind of glad they're getting paired together because the only way there's going to be pushback from this in the federal government is if it's paired with some COVID shit that Republicans don't like, right? But Republicans love war. They get rock hard and veiny for war. I mean, just just going for it. That's what they, that's, that, that's what they do. That's what they do. They're pro-life. Unless you're a brown kid that lives overseas, then you can get killed by a drone, and that's fine. Right? There's no debate whether those kids are, uh, are alive or not. But <laughs> when you drone strike a wedding, you inherently just like kill a few of those. No big deal. No big deal. Um, so we've got this going on. I mean, just, just, I saw this come through and I'm like, this is clownish. We got record inflation. The economy's a fucking shitstorm, And now you're going to sit here and send billions and billions and billions of dollars in weapons to Ukraine. And the only way 
the absolute only way that you should be for this is if you work at or an, or an executive or a board member of Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, etc., etc., etc. Those people are doing great. Those stocks are doing great. If I didn't have a soul, I would have bought those stocks three months ago when I knew this was going to go through the fucking roof, but I couldn't do it. I sat there and stared at them. I stared at them and couldn't do it. I couldn't pull trig because maybe I have principles and maybe I'm just a coward. Who knows? Who knows? But it snagged up over the COVID thing. And I'm glad, but they'll probably decouple those things and then this will get passed through and then we'll just keep, and we act like this, okay, we're going to give them 33 billion, 33 billion in weapons and, and aid, da, 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 as if that's where it's going to stop. We do this, it's hundreds of billions of dollars because the United States is incapable of admitting when it's wrong, when it fucked up, when it backed the wrong horse. Now, some hope we do have Right, because Putin is the aggressor in this whole situation. He is, is having surgery for some kind of cancer, some kind of stomach cancer or something. So that does put him out of commission for a while, which does make the destabilized Russia, thanks to all the sanctions and stuff, pretty ripe for a coup. So that see that happening. But then again, the person who comes out on top from a coup generally isn't any better than the person who got overthrown. We've seen that with the way that the CIA likes to throw, you know, coups here and there, like the one that they did in Ukraine in 2014, which led to the uh, the taking of Crimea by Russia. Right? Oh yeah, you don't want to. We can't. I might get, I might get got by the uh, Department of Homeland Security for bringing up that inconvenient fact. Right? Inconvenient facts are the are the the Achilles heel to uh, the United States and their establishment cronies. So I wanted to bring some light to this. $33 billion in aid. Most people are support. It would probably pass the House with uh, unanimous support. We'll see. I don't think it has yet, but it's, unli- it's, it's unlikely for this, to get, for this to actually get bogged down. And uh, it's a handout. It's a handout the military-industrial complex. It's throwing money at a war that can't be won. And one thing you don't hear about is that Zelensky asked for the United States to help with diplomatic efforts. How much have you heard about that? He reached out and asked for them to help with diplomacy as if that's something that the United States is capable of. Diplomacy. 1,000% comedy. Sad. Tragedy what's going on in Ukraine. Terrible. But the way the United States is handling it, it's almost like satire. So now it's time for that beautiful part of the show. Where I give you something to think about. Kind of lose something to think about today, but um, I want to talk to you about something uh, a way. Talk to you about a way that we can overcome our own biases, right? Something I call flipping the script. And I did it a little bit earlier in the show, maybe you noticed. But we talked about the Roe versus Wade decision leak and how there was a bunch of pearl clutching by Ben Shapiro and the like on, on how big of a break from the norms this leak was and how much of an insurrection it was. It's kind of as, as, as hilarious as that is. People just like, before we know it, the word insurrection won't mean anything because people just like throw these words where they don't belong and completely dilute their meaning. 
So you're seeing that egregious take, which we did say, and I, I did say, and I agree that the, like, the leak isn't good and it, uh, it causes some problems. But whenever the outrage around a situation like that is biased and partisan and issue dependent, it's a really easy place to see where principles are lacking. And in the show, the, the example I used, right, as someone who's a Second Amendment advocate, if there was some kind of, of decision going through the Supreme Court, maybe it was a very liberal Supreme Court, if we had to you know, flip the script, right, turn it upside down, and they were going to decide that semi-automatic high-capacity rifles are not protected under the Second Amendment, right? Because gun issues and abortion issues kind of go in tandem as more fundraising issues that that don't have as much of a bearing on on everyday life as many other things that the Supreme Court decides. But they're great for getting people wound up. And and while they are important, there's other things that, that generally get swept under the rug because they're not as sexy and they don't do as well for fundraising. Right? So if that decision was going through in the same exact scenario and some staffer leaked that out and gave you a heads up as a second amendment advocate and talking to all my second amendment advocates out there, would you be upset? Would you be upset about that leak? I know many of you would not. If anything, many, many of you would see the person who leaked that as a hero. Somebody who's defending what you perceive as your right. What's been decided was your right. Now, not a perfect analogy because abortion isn't explicitly in the Constitution, but neither are high-capacity semi-automatic rifles. Right? Not explicitly. Now, we can argue that I interpret that they do; they are considered, right? But that's an argument to be had. So, when you flip the script, if it changes the way you view the leak or the atrocity or this insurrection, then you, my friend, have a blind spot when it comes to principal takes on a situation. So what you can always do in that situation, right? Say you're pro-life, very pro-life, anti-abortion. That's like a thing that you seem to care a lot about and you think this leak was terrible, what I would encourage you to do is find an issue that you feel the complete opposite way about and put it in the same scenario. Because many women who have had abortions, and you won't hear this from conservatives, know that that was the right choice for them at the time. Whether they were too young or didn't want to be tied to a piece of shit dude for however long. A lot of reasons that are none of your fucking business and none of my fucking business. Just like you believe that your ability to keep and bear arms is incredibly important to you. So flip the script, turn it back upside down, and see what you can do to steel man the other side and find your principles. Because the world we live in is not going to find them for you. I would even go as far as say the world that we live in now wouldn't even encourage you to be a principled actor because there's so little of it out there for you to even build off of. But you can take that responsibility upon yourself and steel man the other side by flipping the script.
That's all I've got for everybody today. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad to be back. Get another show out early next week so you get to in close proximity to make up for that week and a half off. Glad to be back, though, guys. Fuck, it feels good to be able to talk and think and breathe. I couldn't just mouth breathe into the microphone for an hour. It just wasn't going to work. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go try and work out now after I edit this thing. We'll see how that goes. It's been really been two weeks off of the gym, too, and I'm frustrated but i hope you can keep your head on straight i love you guys we'll see you next time make sure to support our sponsors and join the patreon if you can love you bye-bye